Amen. I invite you to open up in your Bibles if you'd like to. If there's a pew Bible in front of you, Matthew 28, 81. If you t- uh, we're going to be beginning at verse 1 of chapter 28. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. This is the written and the inerrant word of God. I want to share with you that King Jesus brings his joy for all who follow him today in faith. In verse 9 of our text, we read that Jesus met them saying, rejoice. And it doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter what your personal history is. It doesn't matter who your friends are. King Jesus and his resurrection changes things in our life for the better. Brings us the joy of salvation when we gladly trust in him and yield to his kingly, loving, powerful rule in our life. So I intend to preach Jesus to you today because I want all of us to see the hope that Jesus brings. I say it's going to be a hope that comes to you as you follow him, as these women did. And as you connect with the church, as these women did. These women went off to see the disciples, the leaders of the church. It was an encounter with God, hearing his word, and seeing the revelation. And it was an encounter with the church as they went toward the church that they met Jesus. This is a journey of faith. It's not a one and done something that will happen overnight. You are saved in a moment, but you are transformed over a lifetime. This past week, I was reading from the book of Acts in the Bible about the day when a deacon in the church by the name of Philip was out taken supernaturally to go alongside of a chariot of a eunuch who came from Ethiopia. 
And the eunuch had some spiritual interest and was reading aloud from Isaiah 53, which described in advance the death of Christ. And he said to Philip, how can I understand this unless someone guides me? So Philip guided the Ethiopian eunuch. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. I would like to be your guide this morning through the use of Matthew 28, 1 through 10 and other scriptures that that leads us to. Would you let me be your guide? The eunuch needed, this man needed some help. Can we get to the point in our life? Maybe I could lead you through a few things. First, in verses 1 to 4, the power of King Jesus. In verses 5 through 7, the crucified King Jesus is risen and going before you. And in verses 8 to 10, the joyful worship of King Jesus. So let's start at verses 1 to 4. When we read these first 10 verses of chapter 28, we are standing at the end of this big, long book called the Gospel, which is a good news about Jesus Christ. And it's written by Matthew, who was a tax collector. He had a personal history. He was a collaborator with the Romans, as all tax collectors were. He was an authority figure who cheated and manipulated the system to personally enrich himself, even as he collected taxes for the Romans. He was following the purposes of Caesar for what he thought was his own good. And that's the way a lot of us are. We follow the purposes of the world, a particular uh, a group, a particular a team of people that are attractive to us because we think it's going to help us too. But Matthew found a new authority in his life, and that was the King Jesus. Matthew's king was no longer Caesar of Rome. His purpose was no longer enriching himself by collecting taxes for Caesar. Rather, he was enriching his soul by serving King Jesus. And at the outset today, I want to be transparent with you. None of what I say today is going to really stick and help you unless you get to that point today or some other day of calling Jesus your King, your Savior, and your Lord. And that will mean a transfer of allegiance instead of you being the King of your life that Jesus is the king of your life. Jesus had been proven in this book, the Gospels, already to be the king, who was the one who stilled the waves and calmed the winds. And the whole creation followed after his word. After all, he's King Jesus. Jesus had authority to forgive sins, proven as he healed a paralyzed man. He had reign over sin and its guilt. After all, he's King Jesus. And Jesus had authority to cast out demons. He was king over all supernatural powers of heaven and earth and beneath the earth, casting out demons. After all, he's King Jesus. Jesus had authority to raise the dead. After all, he's King Jesus. Jesus was was declared to be a king as he arrived publicly on Palm Sunday, riding into Jerusalem on a colt, the foal of a donkey, as prophesied centuries before by Zechariah. And he was mocked 
when he went to the cross and Pilate hung a sign over his head, Matthew 27, 37. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. As if to say, watch out, don't call yourself a king and don't tolerate other people who allow who are calling you king. Not when Caesar's around. This is what happens to you if you allow that message to be out there. But now we see in Matthew 28 that Jesus truly reigns as king. Jesus, king of the Jews, was not merely a sarcastic title. As the eminent commentator J.P. Lang puts it, writing about Matthew 28, I quote, the risen savior is the eternal king, the fundamental thought of this whole Easter history, unquote. Look at verse 2. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. The storms of earth and the angels of heaven serve King Jesus. Observe with me that these two women, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, came to see the tomb. They'd seen the whole process of his burial. And now they come back to the tomb and Jesus sends a great earthquake to announce to these women that something was different about the tomb than when they saw it on Friday evening. Now Jesus was already raised King Jesus wasn't lying dead in the tomb. The earthquake didn't necessarily happen right at the exact time of Jesus' resurrection. Let us think of that earthquake as a thunderclap and rolling thunder sometime after the lightning. Let's think of it as the earthly reverberation of creation responding to the lightning bolt of the Lord's resurrection. And after all, as the king of creation, he gets to send earthquakes. After all, he's King Jesus. As king of the heavenly angels, Jesus sent an angel of the Lord to put their guards in their place. While rolling back the stone, it says the angel of the Lord did that. And in the Bible, we can think the angel of the Lord is sometimes the son of God showing up himself as when he came to speak to Abraham in the Old Testament. But an, an angel of the Lord, in this case, is a personal representative of the eternal son of God. He represents him. An angel of the Lord showed up to declare who owned the place? This angel of the Lord rolled back the huge stone from the door of the tomb and sat on it. Like a football player spiking the football in the end zone. Like Caitlin Clark waving a hand in front of her face when the Iowa Hawkeye women's basketball team beat Louisville and said, you can't see me. Well, the guards were saying, you can't. He was saying to the guards, you can't see me because he was so bright. His countenance was like lightning. His clothing is white as snow. They're a wincing. And they're falling back like dead men. The lives of the guards were shaken up. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The gravestone had no power over this angel of the Lord, nor over Jesus. 
After all, he's King Jesus. The guards were out for the count from the shock and awe of the angel. And the realization that the dead body that they were guarding was no longer in the tomb, it was stunning to them. And they knew that they would be held responsible, as we read in 2814. They thought Jesus was dead, but look who's acting like dead men now. They could keep Jesus dead. After all, he's King Jesus. The reason the stone was rolled back was not to let Jesus out, but to prove that Jesus was not inside. It's not as if at the moment the stone was rolled away, Jesus levitated out of the grave with a blaze of syrupy music and cheesy graphics. Yeah, fortunately, we have no sign of cheesy graphics in the gospel, okay? But we do know that Jesus is raised. Jesus was gone. And by the time the stone was rolled away, the resurrection body had passed through the rock long before that. It's easy for him to do that. Look at John chapter 20, 19, when the doors were shut, where the angel, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst. No doors were opened. No windows were propped open to let him sneak in. He passed through material objects. He could do that. After all, he's King Jesus. And back in Matthew 27, 65, 66, we see Pilate telling them to take all measures if they would like to. We read in 65 and 66, you have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone. And setting the guard. But neither the guards nor Jewish seals were any hindrance to Jesus' way out of the tomb. No guards could stop him. No seals could detain him. After all, he's King Jesus. King Jesus prevailed by his resurrection against the spite and the hate of his enemies. We read in chapter 27, verse 63, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. He who was called a deceiver is the truth teller. And we hear that the angel of the Lord declared, He is risen as he said. For example, in Matthew 16, 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. He told them he was maligned as a deceiver, but he told the truth. After all, he's King Jesus. Today I'm calling you to be shaken up and changed by this Jesus. He has the sovereign right to be king of your life. After all, he created you. As much as he created the wind and waves, more so you owe him obedience, for you were created in his image. You don't come into this church building today as someone with no prior relationship with Jesus. He made you, he shaped you in your mother's womb. He made you just the way he wanted you to be. 
in that womb. After all, he's King Jesus. He died at the cross for sinners like you and like me. He's King Jesus. We should wait a moment and waste this moment with God by digging in our heels. The guards became like dead men. There was no change there when Jesus raised from the dead. On the other hand, as we shall see, the women had their craven fear of the situation replaced by fear of God and joy. They were transformed by the joy of the Lord. Fear of God coexists with the joy of the Lord. Jesus brought you here this morning. Let us all repent of our sins and recognize that we are not king. Jesus is. Don't walk away today without trusting him. After all, he's King Jesus. The second point is that the crucified King Jesus is risen and going before you. Verses 5 through 7. You see the differences between verses 4 and 5? <coughs> the guards are like dead men. But in 5, the women get a personal address from Christ's representative, the, an angel of the Lord. An angel of the Lord answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Now I want to ask you, where's the question? It doesn't record a question in here from the women. There's no record of them saying anything or asking the angel. It simply says in verse 1 that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. But there's a discernment that goes beyond what people say. The angel of the Lord discerned that these two women had all kinds of questions, were flabbergasted by the scene of a stone rolled away, an empty tomb, an earthquake, and even the angel's own appearance. They were not like dead men, but they were shaken. And so he answers them with five words, a word of peace, don't be afraid. A word of understanding. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. A word of revelation. He is risen. A word of instruction. Go quickly. And a word of urgency. Behold, I have told you. It's first a word of peace. Do not be afraid. They are meant to take this reassurance on faith from this angel who represents Christ. And he's saying to them in the midst of this traumatic moment, don't be afraid. In the middle of a situation when first responders are coming to a crisis scene, one of the things they are meant to do is to try to help the person to calm down and to have hope that they can be rescued. They want to impart reassurance, which helps with blood pressure, shock, all kinds of things that threaten a person in a crisis. I heard on the radio of a man who saw a woman swept away in her car. And in his own eyesight, she popped out of the car in this flood which was coming through that town. And she grasped on to a sapling. And this man said, i got to help that woman. And he got a rope and he had some buddies on the shoreline tied it around himself, and went in upstream from her. 
And as he was getting closer, coming down the stream to the woman, he continued to say, it's going to be okay. Don't be afraid. We're going to get through this. We're going to be okay. And he put himself into it. Do you notice he's saying, we're going to be okay. Because he entered into her situation enough that she knew that he identified with her. And so as he approached her, he grasped her. They came ashore as the rope was pulled home. And 30 years ago, this rescue happened. I heard about it on the radio. Now, we as Christians at Redeemer Church are like that man. We are willing to get in the soup with you. We are willing to go and identify with you at your point of need. And we are ready to say, don't be afraid. Jesus is risen. He's alive. Jesus is in charge here and we'll be okay. After all, he's King Jesus. And I'm here today to reassure you that whatever you're going through, earthquake, flood, shock and awe of tough relationships, financial problems, wherever you're at, do not be afraid. King Jesus is in charge. And I want you to know that sometimes King Jesus deliberately allows us to go through shake-up periods and sends messengers into our life who point us to Christ and to say there is a calm after a storm. There is peace with Jesus. And this Jesus kind of peace lasts into eternity. We have complex situations, strained relationships, political problems we face, financial problems, but we also have a deeper foundational problem with God. It's our sin it's that we break God's law regularly, and this brings us under the judgment of God. Our sin has caused separation in our life from God, and we need to have our sins forgiven if we are to live in eternity with him. Now, you may not have asked any questions today. You may not have even thought this was what the sermon was going to be about today. Just like these women, they didn't ask any questions, and they're getting an answer from the angel. But the Lord is bringing his answer that he died at the cross for sin and he brings us peace. He's got it under control. After all, he's King Jesus. And the next word is a word of understanding. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Yes, he was crucified. He went to the cross. These women had seen him bleed and die there. His pain, his desolation from God. He said from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God the Father forsook him at the cross so that we would not be forsaken of God for our sin. He forsook his son in our place. There was a lot these women were seeking when coming to the tomb. They were wondering what happened to Jesus who was crucified. And the angel of the Lord brings these words of revelation. He is not here for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. You see, crucifixion happened, but raising happened later. Jesus was crucified to bring us peace with God and he was raised from the dead to declare that this payment for our sin was received in full. 
He's not here, for he is risen as he said. After all, he's King Jesus. It's what he had declared himself about the meaning of his cross. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, that's Jesus' take on his death. He knew it was a ransom for sin. We were no longer to be slaves, but rather we were to be brought into the family of God with the Heavenly Father, our Father, and Jesus as our big brother. Yes, indeed. Another word came from the angel. It was a word of instruction. Go quickly. Tell his disciples that he is going before you. Behold, I have told you. Jesus is going before you. He knows your road before you take it. He knows about your guilt even before you feel it. He knows your tears before you weep them. He knows your need before you have it. And I speak with his authority today. Do not turn away from this risen King Jesus. It says in Acts 17.30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all By raising him from the dead, the man appointed to be judge is Jesus. After all, he's King Jesus. And if we act like we're the king, instead of honoring him, that is to walk in the darkness. Turn from the darkness. Turn to King Jesus, who died for sinners like you. He's the only one that can remove our fears He's the one who holds the future. He walks before us. After all, he's King Jesus. Come to this Christ and worship him. Verses 8 through 10, the joyful worship of King Jesus. When the women obeyed the message, they met Jesus on the way. Lots of people have big doubts about the Bible, big doubts about Christ big concerns about the church. But I declare to you, this is a faithful, infallible, inerrant book. We follow a faithful, loving, risen Savior who is King Jesus. And this congregation is to a good measure A faithful, safe church home. I encourage you to come to Christ. I encourage you to trust him. I call you to repent. See what they did in verse 8. They departed quickly as soon as they got the order. They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Now the fear was in awe of God. Instead of fearing the situation... And they had great joy at this news. And they ran to bring the disciples' word. 
They ran. They had instant obedience. And as they went to tell his disciples, verse 9, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. At his feet, they were prostrate before him as the Son of God, as a king who deserved honor. And they embraced his feet as if to say, this king who is great is my king. And I embrace him as I embrace him as a brother. For he said, verse 10, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. King Jesus had it all set up. When they were leaving and going to the church to bring news of what they had heard from the angel, it's at that moment that they met Jesus. You will not meet Jesus so much on your sofa as you will entering into the fellowship of God's people. You will not so much meet God watching a TV evangelist at home as you will physically moving into worship with sisters and brothers in Christ. You will not so much meet God in your solo individualism as you will in the body of Christ. I call you to go to the brethren, bring the word that you have heard, and share it with them as long as it is Holy Scripture. That word shall be heard here. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to his feet. Embrace his feet. This is the posture of those in the presence of a king. This is the posture of those in the presence of God offering up worship to Christ. After all, he's King Jesus. Trust this risen Lord today and you will find joy for eternity. And come. Meet with your brothers and be encouraged with them and your sisters in the weeks and months to come. Let us pray. Oh, Lord God, you did a great thing. And you are King Jesus. And we humble ourselves before you. And we ask, oh God, that you would move people like me and people like my friends here to trust in you today. To hear your word and so respond to it that they may meet Jesus on the way. After all, Jesus, you're the king. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.